The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rock. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio show here on Red State Talk Radio where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the page there. The one on the left side is Bradley's show from yesterday, so if you missed that, um, with some of his footage from Arizona, uh, I believe uh, you can check that out up until 3 p.m. Eastern, at which time he'll be live in that little area right there. By the way, just going to let you guys know, we, we do have a little, we started a little YouTube channel as well called Bradley Dean's Shorts. Now, it's not about the shorts he wears, but it's, they're just little shorts of each day's show. Um, send people back over here, but if you'd like to check that out, you can do it. Bradley Dean's Shorts. Okay. 
on YouTube. And uh, I don't know how many we've got up there. We've got, this is our second week doing it. So any of you guys want to sign up for that, you can sign up for that and uh, and get those when they go out. Usually I send them out at the end of the day. Um, they get posted that night. So you can catch them that night or the next morning, whatever you want to do. Anyway, just want to let you know that. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, bullet them, whatever device you've got, and then look for the rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Click on that and join us in the chat. Love to see you. Uh, in the chat. Good to see your friends there this morning. And um, yeah, we are streaming live to Rumble. Sons of Liberty Radio Live is the channel. Please sign up for that. And then down below that is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Uh, it goes out once a day between 7 and 8 p.m. All the articles, including the morning show archive on sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then if you want our ministry mail, that's at sonsoflibertyradio.com once a week. That goes out on Saturdays. And then finally, if you would like to help keep us out there, um, there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that, make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And as always, we do thank you for your support in uh, keeping us out there doing what we're doing. Just a couple of things here. Let me hit a couple of um, uh, items here on sonsoflibertymedia.com. And um, before we get to our main topic, because it's going to be a long, we're going to do a, a lot of reading and, and commenting and things uh, as far as what the scripture says about our character and our doctrine. And those are two different things, but they work hand in hand. So let me bring a couple of uh, these items that we have from sonsoflibertymedia.com to your attention. Of course, uh, Bradley, his article yesterday was Ron DeSantis endorsed by the Bushes and George Soros. And we know Ron, you know, look, he's tied in the same circles as all the other guys. And um, so, you know, you're this being held up as the good guy, just like Trump is. And you know, all the rest of them. And really, when you get down to it, there's a real problem. I mean, I, what did I read the other day? Donald Trump said something about how he would handle something if if he if he were an oh, something about China. If he were in office, this wouldn't happen. Nonsense. Nonsense. Uh, I don't know when people are not going to get it. I really don't. There's uh, somebody called me yesterday or no, I had a conversation with a lady yesterday uh, from Texas, who was telling me about the EOE sound? I think it was in either 20, 2020 or twenty eighteen about how much stuff the Americans were going to give to the Chinese as far as food and stuff. Now I've known for years the Chinese have had a pick over our produce before it actually gets to Americans. It goes to their people. So <clears throat> yeah, they're all the same thing. Anyway, that one's there at sonsoflibertymedia.com. The show from the other day, testimony indicates Arizona controlled by cartels as migrant children become slaves. That's there. Yesterday's show with Lynn, bandwagon fallacies and education and federal overreach into our families. That one's also available. Did you guys hear about this guy, the billionaire Clinton friend and financier found dead with a gunshot wound to the head? This was this was the end of last week. I meant to get it up earlier and I it got mixed up with a bunch of other tabs, but yeah, this guy, Thomas H. Lee, found dead with a alleged self-afflicted gunshot wound. I'd maybe like to see how that turned out. Was it with his left hand, behind his head, two shots, or you know what's going on there? Anyway, that's on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com as well. Also, Canadian Intel intercepted Chinese Trudeau plot. Is anybody surprised by that? Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised to find it with Joe Biden. But we can't find the guys who were charged uh, with carrying out the law. We can't find them to, to, to enforce the law against such guys like this. Anyway, uh, those, among other things, are there at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Now, I'm going to start off today with a couple of things here. 
This is from Proverbs 23, 7. This is what it says. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, this is the reflect the, the Lord Jesus reflected these words as well. They're his words here in Proverbs as well. But he reflected these these words when he talked about it wasn't what went into a man that made him unclean. It was what came out of him because he talks about, you know, you food you take into the body, it goes through the digestive tract and it's eliminated. It comes out and it's not in the body. It may be dirty when it comes out. But. You're not. That's not the point. The point that Jesus was making was what shows what a man is, whether he's clean or unclean, is what comes out of him because it's what's inside of him that produces what comes out of him. Does that make sense? And so Proverbs also teaches us to guard our hearts. For out of them flow the wellsprings of life. We're also told that... Um, from Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, who's doing this in the life of the believer? Now, the believer is charged to do this. The one who is in the Lord Jesus is charged to do this. But who is doing it in him? Paul says, I've died to myself. It's, not, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And Philippians 2, 13 tells us this, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Okay? All right, so do we have anything that we can boast of? We don't have anything we can boast of in our sins, and we don't have anything to boast of when Christ saves us from our sin, except Christ. We have nothing to boast in. If you're boasting about whatever that's been done in your life, and you're not boasting in Christ over that. You're just digging the hole deeper for yourself. Let's just put it that way. That's what you're doing. So here's what I want to do. I want to go through a couple of chapters here in Titus. So we're going to read some, make some comments in between, because our character must reflect our doctrine. Okay? And doctrine is not a four-letter word. I know there are some people out there who think doctrine is some kind of evil word, like they think theology is an evil word, or they think any of this other, you know, even some technical terms are some kind of evil thing, and we shouldn't talk about them. Doctrine is just simply teaching. That's all it means. So your character should reflect your teaching or your learning. Pick which side you're going to be on there. Your, doctor, your character should reflect that. And I'm going to show you how that plays out here in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Titus. So let's get on with this. This is Titus chapter 1. For those of you on the radio, you want to break open your Bibles. Uh, you guys can see it on the screen, on the video platforms and all, but you're more than welcome to break open your Bibles. Titus chapter 1. And here's what we begin with. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. So he talks about the faith of God's elect. He's not talking about people who don't have faith, and not all men do have faith, the Scripture tells us. But he's talking about the faith of God's elect, those who have been chosen out of the world. Remember when we prayed, when we read the Lord's actual prayer from John 17, he says, I do not pray for the world, but I pray for those you've given me out of the world. And for those who will come. 
right? Those who will come in the future. So this is according to the faith of God's elect and acknowledging the truth, which is after godliness. And, the, and this term godliness reflects character, God's character. That's what we're talking about when we're saying that a man is godly or he conducts himself in godliness. We're talking about he has a godly character. Okay. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, hmm, he cannot lie, promised before the world began. Let's stop just a second. It says, I'm a servant of God in the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. Well, who is God promising before the world began? There was nothing in existence. Who was God promising? The Father promised the Son a people for himself. You are a promise. If you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a promise from God the Father to God the Son. And we go back to stuff like John chapter 6, where Jesus said, all that the Father gives me will come to me or shall come to me. It's not an, it's not an option. If you're given by the Father, you're going to come to Christ. And the one who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out, but will raise him up at the last day. That's what Jesus says. So if you're in Christ, you can't even boast about that. As far as you doing something for it, you're a gift from God the Father to God the Son. Okay, That's what this promise is about here. Let's continue. Verse 3. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, now, again, he's writing this letter to Titus about what he's to do in the area that he is in. All right. And here's what he says. Mine own son, after the common fate, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus, our, Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this cause, he's going to tell him, he's going to tell Titus why he left him in Crete. Left I thee in Crete. That's what he says that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. So they've went there, they've established a church, they've been evangelists, they've went into the synagogues, they've taught the people there in the synagogues and the people in the city, they've ministered to them as well. Now you've got a church or you've got an assembly of believers, but there's some things that are lacking. Okay, There's some things that are lacking in this new assembly that's been established here in Crete. What are, what are some of those things? Well, ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. Elders. Now, is this something new in the New Testament church? No, it's old. It's as old as the Old Testament scriptures, because you would see elders would be those who would sit at the gates. Elders would be those who would be uh, knowing and teaching the law. Elders would be those who would be judges. Uh, if you had a problem, you can read back in the Old Testament where you'll see that God said, well, you take it to the elders of the city. You can even see when we went through uh, Genesis 19, we were seeing that there were elders in Sodom and Gomorrah. And they were turning, and the men were turning on uh, Lot because they said, well, you're a, you're a sojourner, you're a stranger here, and yet you're seeking to judge us. Uh, and that's sort of the mocking tone that they had. So he says, I've appointed you uh, to ordain elders in every city. And this is so they have overseers. That's, that's what an elder is. And you go back and you look at a bishop or an elder that's mentioned in uh, Titus 
chapter 1 here, we'll see in a second, or over in 1 Timothy 3, one of the things that you'll see is they're an overseer. They're, they're shepherds of the flock, if you will. So he says, this is what you're supposed to do. And how is he supposed to do that? Does Paul just leave him out there and he says, well, you need to get the greatest business guys that you can get here to lead the church and to oversee the church. If they're successful businessmen, they're equipped to do this. No, that's not what he says. Does he say if they are very outspoken uh, that you should use them as elders? Nope, that's not what he says. Does he say if they're handsome and good looking, does does are you supposed to pick those guys out? Nope, that's not what you're supposed to do. He tells them about character. He tells them to look for men with character. What kind of character are we to look for? Well, let's look. Verse 6 says, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. So first and foremost, you look at the man's house. Does he got one wife? Does he got ten wives? You know, how is he living his life? Is he reflecting what things were from the beginning, like the Lord Jesus said, one man and one woman? The second thing that you do is you look to his children. Are they faithful? Can they be accused of riot or being unruly? See, because these are the people who are in his household. If he can't teach and organize and oversee his own household, how is he going to oversee the household of God? And he actually says that in the 1 Timothy 3 passage when he talks about elders there. So, he goes on and he says this. Verse 7, a bishop, which is an elder, must be blameless as the steward of God, not, give, not self-willed, not soon angry. In other words, he's got, he doesn't have a short fuse. Not given to wine. That doesn't mean that he doesn't drink wine. It just means he's not one who toils at it long. First Timothy 3 kind of goes alongside this, giving these, these qualifications. And he's saying he's not to be a wine-bibber. He's not to be a drunkard. He's not to be a striker or some translations bring it out as a brawler. We know what that is. It's not somebody who's instigating fights. He's not one who likes to go beat people up and get in fights. He's not given to filthy lucre. That simply means he's, he can't be bribed. He doesn't love money. He may use money, but he doesn't love it. Verse 8, he must be a lover of hospitality. In other words, his home has to be open to the people. I, I, let me stop on this one just a second. If your home is not open to people, it's probably a good indication of some character. Because we're to be a people who are known to be hospitable. I'm thinking of, um, I believe it was Polycarp, um, first century guy, a disciple of the Apostle John. And as the men, if, I'm, if I recall the story correctly, as the men came to take him to the Colosseum to be killed, he welcomed them into the home, made them a meal, and prayed for them. These were his enemies. Knowing what was going to follow, but that's what he did to them. That's what he did for them. Hospitality is one of the, one of the big indicators of whether or not you're really transparent. 
It's, it's an indicator of the kind of person that you are, is having an open home. And uh, you come to our house and you'll find out. <laughs> our house gets worn. It is not whatever that is, Home and Gardens magazine or something. I mean, Denise keeps a good house, but it's worn. Why? We want people to come in the house, especially young people who are friends of our kids. We want them to come in our house. We want them to be a part of what we are doing. So this guy who's going to be an elder has to be a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men. Now, that doesn't mean what people might think today doesn't mean that he's a sodomite. It means he loves good men, really loves them, not in a sexual way, but in a brotherly way that he loves good men, men of good character, okay? Men that he would aspire to follow, as Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, okay? He's also one who is sober, he is just, he is holy, he is temperate. He also has to be one that holds fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine or sound teaching, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, uh, especially they of the circumcision. Hmm. So he talks about these who call themselves Jews but are not, okay, whose mouths must be stopped. Oh, wait a minute. I thought we believed in free speech. Not when they're engaged in vain talking and deceiving. In fact, I believe it's Peter, and I didn't pull this one up because I'm just kind of thinking this off the top of my head, but I believe it's Peter who also who uses a, a phrase in the Greek that means when you get a false teacher, you don't give them a platform. You, in essence, the, the idea was, and I don't think it meant it literally, but the idea is you're cutting their tongue out. You're, you're not allowing them to speak because the things they're speaking are dangerous to people's souls. Okay? So he says, their mouths must be stopped to subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. They're teaching these things to make money off of you. Hello, this is what I'm talking about with Kenneth Copeland. This is what I'm talking about with, with Kenneth Hagan or any of those guys in that prosperity movement. I believe God prospers you as your soul prospers. John you know, says that in one of his epistles. But, but Paul also puts bumpers on that and says, don't think that godliness is gain or that gain is godliness. That's just not the way it works. Money has nothing to do with your godliness. In fact, we can find many people who've got more than they know what to do with, and they're ungodly. So this, this elder must be one who doesn't teach these things, or he, he's, he's referencing those who are out there teaching these false things uh, for the sake of money. And then it says, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. <laughs> now, th this gives me a chance to make a point here, because uh, at some point, I I'm going, I have to have time to set it up and do it, because there's so much stuff that, and this was a long time ago that I read the book of Enoch, but this is why I, this is one of the reasons some people will bring up, they'll go, oh, well, Jude quotes the book of Enoch. Are you sure about that? Are you sure he's actually quoting the book of Enoch? Because he doesn't say the book of Enoch, he just says Enoch. And we know that Enoch, the book of Enoch, we can't find any old copies of that. 
that date back to the time of Enoch. We, we can't find that. And there are things in, within that that are clearly contradicting what Scripture says. Just because a guy quote, quoted Enoch does not mean he was quoting the book of Enoch. That's one thing. The other part is this. Some people think that, well, they quoted this. This must be part of Scripture too. Well, he says one of their own prophets. Quote this. In other words, listen, listen to what happens. Um, I gained some of this little information here uh, that I'll, I'll give you because I think it's important when you go to share uh, the gospel, when you're engaging people about the truth of what Scripture says. It's okay to use things in the culture to make your point, okay? Um, one guy comments uh, this way. He says, history tells us these words come from Epimenides, a writer from the 6th century B.C. This quote was likely widely known both to Titus and others on Crete. Paul simply used these words to affirm a known fact. This is a common use of non-scriptural material being used to support a biblical point. Paul cited non-Christian writers in at least two other occasions. One of them is Acts chapter 17, verse 28. He referred to a writing, perhaps also from Epimenides, and Eratus' poem, uh, Phenomania. I hope I pronounced that correctly. P-H-A-I-N-O-M-E-N-A. The other one is in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, when Paul referenced the ancient writer Menander, quoting his comedy, Thias. So, it's okay to use these things, and what Paul is saying is he's saying, look, you're dealing with a people that even their own prophets call them liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. Now, other translations, I believe, use the term gluttons. They're all about feasting and eating and indulging themselves. That's what he's saying. This is the kind of people that you're around. And then he says this, This witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. Hmm. So he's got people, apparently, who are in the assembly, the church, and they've come out of the world, so to speak. They have been, they've listened to the message, they want what the message says, and he says, anybody who's not giving these, these fruits of repentance, you need to rebuke them sharply. If they're still engaging in being liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies, you need to rebuke them so that they be sound in the faith. Not giving heed to Jewish fables. Now, this is one we could just go down a rabbit trail on. I'm just going to say uh, Genesis 6, where the, you know, this translating into all this stuff that's, that people do uh, with angels and humans and all this stuff, that's a part of Jewish fables. And commandments of men. It also goes back to where we're not to be engaged in these endless genealogies. Same kind of stuff. So you're not going to give heed to Jewish fables, commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God. Watch this. Watch. But in works, they deny him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. So with their mouth, they say they know God. They know Christ. But it's what comes out of them that shows whether or not they do. 
And Paul says, in the case of some of these guys, they're denying Christ by their actions. I know that's hard for some people in the modern church to hear because they've been told Jesus just loves you the way you are and you don't have to change a thing and, you know, you can just go right on sinning in your sinful lifestyle that you were in before. You just tack Jesus on, maybe show up for church on Sunday and, yeah, you're good to go. But that's not what Scripture says. The Bible tells us that we become new creations. All things have passed, the old things have passed away, all things have become new. And so we are changed. God does do a change in us. He does a heart transplant. He takes out a heart of stone. He gives us a heart of flesh. Okay? So we, we see this about the elder. Okay? And the elder is a guy who's going to be, I think it's human nature, just to see a person who takes an office like that. It's human nature to say, you're supposed to be an example, right? So when we, when we don't see an elder conducting themselves as an elder should be in this kind of character that was just laid out for us, we go, wait a minute, guy. You're supposed to be an example to the people to follow, not one to, to cause us to stumble or to fall into the ditch. So the elder has to watch over himself twice as much as his flock. Why? Because he's an example to them. Like it or not, he is an example to them. So what does this then translate to for the flock? Let's talk about what this means for the people. Chapter 2. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Speak thou, or in again, it can be understood you're to teach these things. Not only to say them, but you're to teach them. Speak the things that become sound doctrine. Now stop and think about that a second. The things he's going to be talking about are practical things for all of us. Whatever age group you fit in, young man, old man, young woman, old woman, any of that, you can find right here. And our character and our life should be that which becomes sound doctrine. In other words, whatever we're teaching and saying, whatever we're professing, should be also demonstrated in our living. Okay? So what's the first thing he starts with? Well, he starts with older men. Aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Some pretty, pretty simple characteristics of an older man. They're sober. Obviously, that means they're not a drunkard. We, we get that. But they're sober-minded. When, when they look at something, they don't, just don't take it at face value. They kind of pick it up and turn it around and ask questions about it, and they're, they're serious about their thinking. When they read a book, they contemplate what is being said, and they say, yes, I agree with that. No, I don't agree with that. They're those who give themselves that. Grave, they're serious. They're temperate. They're sound in faith. They're not heretics. In charity, we've talked about that before, that's simply in love and in patience. And uh, patience is a big deal here. Uh, as I opened up several other passages of Scripture, one of the things that, uh, that came to mind is, um, uh, well, I thought I had opened it up here, but I guess I didn't. Mm, that's my fault. Uh, Peter. 
from Second Peter chapter one. We'll go back right to Titus here in a second, but just an issue on patience. And I marked here verse six, but if you look at what how Peter builds it up, it really helps you to understand where all this is going. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, or that godly character, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love, or charity. Now, in that passage right there, what did you just see? Well, you just saw some of the things that... Um, uh, uh, Paul was giving to Titus here in chapter 2. See if you recognize them. Sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. All those things are worked out in the life of the believer by the Spirit of God. Also, we have this. What produces that? James chapter 1, verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Hmm. Now there he's talking about if you fall into diverse temptations. You continue to resist them. That testing or trying of your faith works patience in you. And then he goes on and he says, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Why? God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So let's go back to Titus here. Titus has said, this is how the old men are to be. Now, who are we going to look at? We're going to look at the older women. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. What does that actually mean? They're to be to conduct themselves as those who are separate from the world. A godly woman doesn't act the way a woman in the world does. Usually she dresses different. She talks different. Her energies are spent in different places rather than those who are in the world. And we'll look at some of that in just a minute. But what are they to be? Not false accusers. Not given to much wine. Teachers of good things. And why? Why do they need to be teachers of good things? Well, he says this that they may teach young women. So young women have a job too. And that job is to learn from older women. What are they to learn from older women that becomes sound doctrine? Well, they're to teach women to be like they're conducting themselves. They're to be sober. They're to teach the young women to love their husbands, not follow after another man, not backbite their, their husband, or anything like that, they're to love their husbands and to love their children. They're to be discreet. They're not to be a loud mouth 
gossiper, busybody. They're to be discreet. They're to be chaste. And this is the one that always gets me in trouble when I go through this passage. Keepers at home. The two Greek words that are here means their energy is focused in the home. They are homemakers. Ladies, let me encourage you that if you have to ever write on something, that you are a homemaker, that is not something to be ashamed of. That is something to thank God that you have the ability to do. Because I can guarantee you any woman who's done it is worth far more than anybody who climbed, any woman who climbs the corporate ladder. Anybody. She's worth far more than that. In fact, Proverbs 31 tells us she's worth more than rubies. She's a woman to be desired. So we read this, and it's the simplest of things. Be sober, love your husbands, love your children. And then the very specific things, discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, not another woman's husband, not another man. That's not the issue. The jurisdiction of the home is where that authority stops for that woman, apart from whatever is given as authority in Scripture to elders in the church or even in a civil magistrate, but she is to be obedient to her own husband, first and foremost. That's it. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Now catch that one. Do you guys remember when David had committed the, the terrible sins that he had committed? And as he's, as he's confessing those things, he recognizes that he's given the heathen nations around him a reason for them to blaspheme God. Now, it's not a legitimate reason, but they see God's man, the one who is after God's own heart, commit these terrible sins. And what does it make the heathen do? You know what it does. They do it today. Oh, see, you can't live up to, your, live up to the very standard that you're holding up for everybody else. You do this, or you did that, or whatever the case may be. It's why we, we have to watch our living. Not because the world sees, but because God sees it. We live before the face of God. And so, if, if look, any heathen can read this passage, ladies. They can read it. If you're an older man listening, they can read that passage and see what you're supposed to be. And if you're not doing those things, you give the word of God, you, you put it out there to be blasphemed. Not to be accepted and embraced and said, you're doing it. Show me how you do that. Teach me to do what you do. And you're going to start first with, obviously, the gospel. You're going to have to confront their sin. And you're going to have to point them to the Savior. And then you're going to have to disciple them. Teach them these things. That's what's going to have to be done. All right, so now we move on. We've gotten older men, older women, younger women, and now we've got younger men. And he's got a lot to say because Titus is a young man. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. Now, where have we heard that before? Well, we've heard that over in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's take a look real quick. And again, I'm not using this to say this is what's saying. The, the context is pretty clear about what he's saying. I'm just using these to bolster what's in that context there. 
Everybody's familiar. Well, let me change that. Those who, who are in the church usually are familiar with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, you heard some of the, that, uh, those scripture verses in the pre-show song, Thankful by Cademan's Call. And you say, why are they singing they're so thankful that they can't do any good on their own? Because it shuts our mouth to hear the gospel of grace, a savior from sin. And we can't do that on our own. Why? Because we're dead in our sins. We're dead in our sins. Let's go back to the first part of Ephesians 2, and then we'll go right back into Titus. And you he hath quickened, this is verse 1, if you're following along by radio, and you have, he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. See, this is why we don't look down our nose at somebody. Because we know what it is to be where they are. And this is why we give them the gospel, because our hope is that God will do for them what he did for us. And this is what we were. We were dead in trespasses and sins. What does a dead man do? Well, he doesn't do anything in and of himself. He just rots and he stinks, right? That's what a dead man does. He rots and stinks. And then we read the good news. Verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God did that. We didn't do it. God did that. He has declared us righteous in his sight because of what his son has done on behalf of his people. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus or through Christ Jesus. Now, why is that? Because God's not an idolater. Friends, he is not uh, going, to, going to uplift you up and worship and praise you. No, it's going to be the exact opposite. And he did it for his glory. Yeah, it's for your good, but he did it for his glory. He wants to show off who he is. He wants to, to show his attributes that he may be glorified in them by his creation. And so he then comes on and he says the, the verses that we quoted, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's where most people stop. But it goes on. For we, who's the we here? Well, this is the church. If you read chapter 1, those who've been adopted by God. They've been given all of his, his promises in Christ. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. This is what we're talking about over in Titus. Unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. How do those get fleshed out? Again, back over to Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It is God which worketh in you both to... What is that? What, what, what is that stuff? 
to will and to do of his good pleasure. Friends, if you're in Christ, if you are performing good works, if you're bringing forth fruits of repentance, you aren't the one doing that. It is God working in you both to will, the want to. You've got to be the one willing and wanting and doing and desiring in order to do. But it's to do his good pleasure. It's the good works that he has set you apart for if you're in Christ. If you're outside of Christ, it appears that you would be putting up the fig leaves to make yourself look as though you really aren't naked and a sinner and under the judgment of God but that you're somehow one of his. That's not going to fly. That's not going to work. It really isn't. Back to Titus. So, he tells them, Young man, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness. I think some of this ties in with the corruption of speech that you'll, you'll see that Paul writes as well. Showing uncorruptness. In other words, you have right doctrine. Okay? Gravity. Sincerity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. That's interesting, isn't it? We don't like to talk about servants and masters and stuff, but all of us are a servant to something, are we? We're either a slave to sin, Jesus said, or we're a slave unto righteousness. In this case, we're taking slaves or servants, and they have masters. But they're to do their work well. Paul would say later uh, in another passage, he would say, do it as unto the Lord, not as man-pleasers. Okay? And he would also talk to the masters too. I believe it's in Ephesians chapter 6. He talks to the masters too. He says, you treat your, your servants or your slaves well. You're going to give an account too. Not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, verse 10, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. What does grace do, folks? Does grace teach you that you can just go on in your sin? You can conduct yourself the same old way you were conducting them. You just kind of tacked your Jesus sticker on your shirt or something. Is that what grace does? Let me tell you what grace does. Verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, what? Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's what it teaches. If, if the grace that you claim that you have in Christ is not teaching you to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, and not teaching you to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, you do not have the grace of God. I don't know how to say it any different because that's what Scripture's saying. This is what grace teaches us. And then it goes on and it says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity 
and purify. See, that's that thing of taking off the old man, putting on the new man, denying ungodliness, worldly lust, and living soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world. This is what this is. This purification, purifying to himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. They're not just doing good works, they're zealous for them. They want to do them. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no man despise thee. So Paul gives Titus a final exhortation here. I want you to speak these things. I want you to exhort men to it. And when those who get out of line, I want you to rebuke them and correct them. I don't think that he's looking at, you know, losing your temper because he just told him, he says, the elders have to have, they have to be temperate. I don't think he's doing that. I think he's saying you come alongside them. You say, brother, look, what you're doing right there, uh, that's not, that's not any good. You got to stop that. Do you need help with that? What can we do to come alongside you and help you in this area? Ultimately, it's going to be the Spirit of God. But let me tell you something. God is not devoid of using the hands and feet of the body to help the body. <laughs> I mean, we went through this when we talked about gifts. Gifts within the body are for the edification of the body, not for the edification of the individual, but for the edification of the body. And over and over and over again, I hear more of this Lone Ranger Christian stuff where you're just out there by yourself. There is no authority. Oh, God is my authority. Okay, well, I mean, I get that, but God's also established authority, and we see that even in this whole passage here. Elders in every city. All of this. But what is the thing that, that Paul gets focused on? Lay hands on everybody out there. What is he focused on? He's focused on character. He's focused on the fruits of repentance within the New Testament church. And this ought to be seen by the people. They ought to be able to see the giftedness as well. This is why there is a setting apart. When, when, when men are ordained, the issue should be serious enough to where it recognizes that God has shown the men, the elders, who are going to set this man aside for gospel ministry, has good character, that he's demonstrated sound doctrine, both in what he teaches and how he lives his life. They should see that evidenced in his home, in his wife, in his kids, how he manages his home, how he conducts himself. And then what do we see following right after that? We see where everybody else lines up the same way. Does that mean they're going to be cookie cutter and lit? No, but they're going to they're going to be developing the same fruits of the spirit, the same characteristics. Why? Because it's the same spirit working in them. The same spirit of God that works in one believer is working in the other one. And we go back to gifts. There are different gifts, but of the same spirit. And I'm just thinking right off the top of my head here, but um, because this has just kind of come to mind. But this is over in Ephesians chapter four, um, and here's what we here's what we say, or here's what we will see here. Um, as soon as I find it, uh, give me just one moment because this is just, it just came to mind, and I I like to bring it up to where you guys see exactly um, 
you know what, I, what I'm talking about here. Okay, so it's Ephesians chapter 4, and one of the things that we see here is this. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body and what? One Spirit. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all and through all and in you all. And then later on, he'll talk about, we, we talked about these gifts and what they're useful for. The, the gifts, verse 11, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till when? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And ultimately, he shows you it's that we not be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. We're not deceived by men and their cunning craftiness. It's not any of that. But rather, what do we see? Speaking the truth in love so that we grow up into all things, even the head who is Christ. So with that said, I, I asked the question, where are you today, believer? Is this a pattern of your life? Is this what your desire, is this what your heart's desire is? Is this what you see coming out of your life? If not, then repent. Maybe you're an unbeliever. So I'm not a Christian. I don't buy into all that stuff and this, that, and the other. But I am interested in, because I see how certain things are and I see the good in that. Well, then you need to repent. God has given a way which by, whereby sinners, those who violated his moral law, can be forgiven of sin because otherwise, guess what? If you break the law here, what happens if you go murder somebody? Well, they're going to take you to jail. They might put you to death. The Bible says that you're worthy of death if you do such a thing. Or, if you hate your brother in your heart without a cause, Jesus said you've committed murder. If you've lusted after a woman in your heart, that's adultery. The Bible says to repent of those things. To turn from them. Stop doing them. Cry out to God for mercy and you'll have it. It's a tall tree. It is a tall tree. It's a really loud tree too. Anyway. Do that, you'll know the salvation of the Lord. Don't do it, and you'll know his judgment. Bradley be with you at 3 today, Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com, and we'll be back with you in the morning, Lord willing. Talk to you then.